Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Good morning. Uh, my name is Josh, and uh, I am one of the, the pastors here specifically. I normally see, oversee uh, the children's ministry, and I've kind of handed that over to the parents for, for now. So you guys are doing a great job. Thank you for that. And uh, we're going to actually be uh, talking this morning about parenting. So it is, it's a topic that um, I am definitely not an expert in. Um, we've been going through a series called Reunited, and um, we're sort of reuniting in this time, right? So we have been, we've been getting together. We've been seeing new people, new faces each week, which has been great. This week, we're going to be looking at parenting. And again, I was given this topic. Um, I fully admit that I am no expert. And also, just so you all know, my family is sitting right in front, in the front row here, which giving a message on parenting with your family in the front row is about the most frightening thing I could think anyone would would possibly do. I do not recommend it to anyone at all. I'm going to be looking at their faces at certain times and... I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to see. I, again, fully admit I am no expert. Um, I actually really, um, I really identify a lot of times with um, some of the parents that you hear online. Some of, some of these things, I, I wrote some of these down that I thought were kind of funny. So somebody said, parenting is saying the same thing over and over again, uh, expecting different, different results, which coincidentally is the same definition as the definition for insanity, right? And so note, no coincidence there. Um, somebody said, before I became a parent, I did not know that I could completely ruin someone's day by asking them to put pants on. Can you guys relate to that? Being a parent, someone said, is, is like folding a fitted sheet. Nobody knows how to do it at all, right? You, you've heard the sayings, this is somebody else said, you've heard the saying that silence is golden. It is true, but not when you're a parent. Silence is golden, but when your parent silence is very suspicious. You're like, I got to go check out what they're doing in the other room because they're getting into trouble, right? This one's good. Somebody said, so I stepped away for like two seconds. That's the beginning of every parenting horror story, right? <laughs> so I stepped away for the two seconds and then all of a sudden. Parenting includes a lot more yelling from the bathroom than I ever imagined. Those are new, new parents to that. A friend recently asked what the difficult, most difficult part of parenting is, and I said, this is someone online, said, without a shadow of a doubt, it's the kids. That are, uh, right? And then uh, this one I love, it says, Here's, uh, ever, have you ever had a job where you had no experience, no training, you weren't allowed to quit, and people's lives were at stake? That's parenting, basically, right? So... What's funny about all these, and, and we kind of laugh, um, it, it's funny, but if we didn't laugh, I think we would cry because they're so depressing and hopeless. It's like nobody's got this figured out. Nobody knows what to do, and we all kind of feel in, in the same boat. And so I think that's why we need, we need to hear about parenting. I mean, even if we're not parents, right, this is a family. And even if you don't have kids of your own, these kids that are running around are your kids in a sense, right? And so this message is, is for all of us. Our friends need parenting wisdom, right? You, some of you that don't have kids yourself, you have friends or 
family that have kids, and, and so we want to pass on to them um, some biblical wisdom here, and that's what we're going to do. Again, I'm no expert, but I do trust. I, I, I have a lot of confidence in God's Word, and so what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through Deuteronomy 6, and on the surface, it seems kind of crazy. Like, we, we have this problem with parenting, and it seems kind of crazy to go to a book that is almost 3,000 years old and try to figure out what it says about parenting. I mean, things have changed. Times have changed, haven't they? I think in some ways, yes, but the wisdom that's in this book is timeless, and I think it has a lot uh, to say to us. I know that it has a lot to say to us this morning. So we're going to pull just three things out of Deuteronomy 6. It's a great passage but we're going to pull three things out of it. The three things will be um, parenting is loving the Lord your God first. Parenting is teaching your kids God's law. And then finally, parenting is showing your kids God's grace. Okay, so those are our, our three points for this morning. Let me pray um, one more time and then we'll, we'll dive in. Father, we are thankful um, that you have brought us here. Um, we're thankful to be here and it's not easy to come. I'm thankful for... Everyone that, that um, put on masks and put on masks on their kids, Lord, and, and jumped in the van and, or jumped in the car and, and came here and just longed to be with your people. I'm so thankful for uh, the people that are gathering online with us, Lord, that are watching as, as their kids are running around right now even, or are, are gathering just by themselves, Lord. Um, we're so thankful that in, in, in a in a sense, we are all one body this morning. We pray that you would teach us out of your word. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so first off, parenting is loving the Lord your God. Parenting is loving the Lord your God. Where do we see that? Parenting begins in the heart. And we see that right here in the beginning of Deuteronomy 6. But before we get there, I want to jump back a chapter and uh, if you just look, flip back in your Bibles uh, to Deuteronomy 5, the first verse in Deuteronomy 5 gives you a little bit of context of what's going on, what's happening at this time. In Deuteronomy 5, 1, it says, And Moses summoned all of Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. So Moses then in chapter 5, if you look, it's the Ten Commandments. He lays out the Ten Commandments um, in the rest of the chapter. And so you can imagine the people at this point, they may be a little overwhelmed with rules, right? I, I mean, it's not crazy to imagine at this point. And there are rules that um, they, they may have heard or maybe they're hearing for the first time. And so what's really cool in chapter 6, Moses boils it all down in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, into what Jesus would later call the greatest commandment, right? The greatest commandment. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I commanded you today shall be on your heart. So parenting, okay, we're going to apply this to parenting. Parenting and really anything else you want to do in the Christian life, begins with this greatest commandment, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And what's really cool is in Matthew 22 and in Luke 10, 
Jesus adds with all of your mind to this too. And so we're going to talk about those four things too. How do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And so what does that look like? What is, first off, what does loving the Lord your God with your heart look like? So we would kind of talk about this as emotional devotion. What does emotional devotion to the Lord look like? What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart? Well, one, one theologian put it this way. He said, the old covenant recognized that a spiritual relationship with God begins from within. So that's really early in, in the Old Testament. With a proper disposition towards the preeminent Savior, Sovereign, and Satisfier. From within the heart flow the springs of life. That's what Proverbs teach us, right? Proverbs 4. And without one's will, desires, passions, affections, perceptions, and thoughts rightly aligned... The life of love is impossible. So it, it, it comes from within, and I just want to ask you the question, what, what captures your heart right now? What is capturing your emotional devotion um, to the Lord? Because I think it's, it's easy for other things to capture our emotional devotion. And how do we figure that out? How would you even figure out what, what's capturing my emotion? Well, what is it that makes your heart leap for joy? When you're just kind of, your mind's kind of settling in, what, what makes it leap for joy? What makes your heart sink with sorrow or fear? What types of things are capturing your emotion? What makes your heart anxious? What's your heart set on right now? And if it's anything but God, it could be, setting, it could be set on sinful things. And it, what you would want to do in those times is immediately confess that. Say, Lord, my heart is set on this. And I want it to be set on you. Sometimes it's set on good things, though, that shouldn't be the only thing that your heart is set on, right? So parenting could be one of those good things that God has given us all, but our heart is completely consumed by our parenting. And when our kids are doing good, our heart is happy. And when our kids aren't doing great, our heart is just destroyed. And it's those times that you really want to say, okay, this has got a hold of my heart. Lord, I want you to capture my heart. And you can do that through prayer. Please, Lord, set my heart on you. So uh, loving, loving the Lord with all your heart, loving the Lord with all your soul, what does that mean? And that's usually um, described as, we'll, we'll say, that's spiritual devotion. So emotional devotion, spiritual devotion. So what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your soul? So we're not going to get too mystical here or, um, you know, or there's not, not going to be any complicated tips on how do you get your soul um, right with, with the Lord. I think just the simple, ordinary means of grace, or sometimes they're called spiritual disciplines, would be a great thing to focus in on here. So things like prayer, right? One 19th century pastor wrote, um, prayer is the very life breath of true religion. So let's teach our kids to breathe, right? That is something that we... we I'm watching you guys with masks on. Like, it's, so, it's, it's so ironic. But, uh, uh, you know, let's teach our kids to breathe in, in a spiritual sense, right? In the sense of always bringing things to prayer when we are unsure of, of what's happening, um, when we're anxious, when we're uh, fearful. You know, just showing our kids that that's, that's what we do. We go to the Lord in prayer. Um, another one would be scripture reading or listening or meditating. So us digging into the word right now, both here and online, that, that's a, a way that um, we can love the Lord with all of our soul, right? That's one way that our, our spiritual devotion can grow. 
And make sure that you aren't depriving your kids of hearing God's word, too, because they need it, too. And we, it, it's, it's tough right now, especially, you know, a lot of you guys at home, um, it's hard to get into regular time uh, in the word with your kids. We try to give you guys some, some tools for that. So uh, the, the coloring pages that some of you guys, some of the kids are coloring on, they have the, the lessons that we, we uh, send out that are on the website every week. They go along with some videos, and we try to make it really easy for you parents to access those. And, um, you know, it, nobody's getting graded on them. I'm not grading them. You might be grading them. I don't know. You know, in the back, you're like, no, we grade them. <laughs> uh, you know, but if they, if they just pull them out and, and color on them and you talk, talk to them a little bit about uh, that particular book, like this week in the older kids, I, I just did the devotion for, uh, there's some discussion questions on Second Thessalonians. What's really cool is I learn a lot through preparing those lessons too. I learn a lot about digging into, you know, books like Second Thessalonians, which I haven't dug into in a, in a long time. So, that's another way. Worshiping. And we know that worshiping is more than just singing, but it is a lot of singing. In fact, I loved what David said this morning about, you know, it just the importance of worship. The, the longest book in the Bible is, is a song book, right? And so singing is very important. Um, and worship uh, begins in the heart, but, you know, sing with your kids. Uh, they're, they're not as they're not as tough critics as maybe some of the rest of us, you know? They're like, they'll, you know, they'll listen to my uh, terrible singing, and, and it's fine. Baptism would be another one. And uh, we will figure out a way to do a baptism. So talk to us about baptism um, with your kids or, or for you if you haven't been baptized. We would figure out a way um, to, to do a baptism. Probably not here, obviously, but we're, we're going to figure out a way to do it. And then communion, and that's why we do communion every week, and that's why it's some, such an important part of what, what we do here. Um, we believe that that is another way in which God, uh, it, it's, it's, it's nourishment. It's more than just a reminder, it's, it's spiritual nourishment. And 1 Corinthians calls it a participation in the blood of Christ. Um, so that's another one. There's more evangelism, serving, fasting, silence, and solitude. Good luck teaching science and solitude to your kids, I know. But um, it, it would be a good one. And then uh, journaling, writing, learning, all of these things are uh, the, the, kind of the classic spiritual disciplines, means of grace that God uses to grow our spiritual devotion towards him. So third, we want to lo- love the Lord your God with all your mind. And again, this is the one that Jesus adds in the New Testament to this, greatest commandment. And so we don't want to leave it out. And so this... This would be our intellectual devotion, our intellectual devotion, using our mind to love the Lord, our God. So Blaise Pascal, one of the greatest um, scientists and philosophers, wrote, wrote a book um, called Thoughts or, or Penses, and he said, Man is but a reed, the most feeble thing in nature, but he is a thinking reed. Let us endeavor then to think well. We are one of God's um, amazing, well, a, a part of God's amazing creation, but we're the only ones that think in the way that we do. And so let's do it well, right? As, as Christians especially. And let's teach that to our kids. Um, so I, I recently heard a story, um, Sean McDowell, who is a, he's about my age, so I think he's right, getting, pushing close to like 25 or so. No, no, he's, he's a little older but uh, his dad, you may know his dad, uh, was Josh McDowell, a really famous uh, Christian apo- apologist. And 
So I heard a story that Sean McDowell, his son, was telling recently when he was 19 years old. He said, I really started thinking, you know, because he, he had gone around traveling with his dad all over, speaking engagements, listening to his dad um, talk about uh, reasons for the Christian faith. And he said, I really started thinking, what if my parents are wrong about this? I, I know they mean well, but what if the Bible is not true? What if I was raised in a different faith? What if, what if, what if? A lot of it was driven by having access for the first time, and this was in the 90s when he was questioning a lot of this, having access to the first time um, to the worldwide internet, and the atheist web really began responding to my father's books. They had doctors and lawyers and historians critiquing it chapter by chapter, and I remember thinking, um, I remember reading it going, oh my goodness, these people make a lot of sense. What if I'm wrong? I felt like I needed to talk to my dad. So I sat down, I asked my dad if we could get coffee, and I was really nervous. I always knew my dad loved me, but I was nervous to tell them. And as we sat down, I just said, Dad, I want to know what's true, and I'm not sure I'm fully convinced that Christianity is true. Could you imagine your, your kids having this conversation with you? And he didn't miss a beat. He immediately said back to me, Son, I think that's great. My next thought was, did you even hear what I just said? (laughs) I literally thought it was totally lost on him. And then he said, no, I heard you. And he said a few things. And one of the things that he said was, number one, you can't live on my faith or your mom's faith. You have to know what you believe is true. And he said, I sense you want to know truth. So if you really seek truth, I think you'll find it. So that's a parent, I love that story because that's a parent who loves the Lord, his God, with all his mind and wants to make room for his kids to do that too. So are you, are you prepared? Have, are there questions that maybe rattle around in your mind that you've never really gotten answered about Christianity or about the truth of Christianity? Get those questions answered because I'm sure those are the same questions that your kids are going to have. And also create a create some space for them to ask those questions. So loving uh, the Lord, we're called to love the Lord with all of our mind. Are you ready to go through the tough mental work of having conversations and finding answers with your kids when they ask? And there are good answers out there. There are good answers out there. And then last, uh, loving the Lord God with all your strength. This would be, we could say this is physical devotion, although this word is, this word's tough. Um, the, the word that is translated strength or might here in this passage, it's, it's called the Shema. This, is, this would be repeated by, um, this has been repeated by God's people for centuries, right? So for such a long time, this, this passage, it's a really famous passage in both Judaism and in Christianity. But this word is, it's a weird one. This one, it, it's, it comes from, it's a Hebrew word called me, me'od, me'od, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. I can almost guarantee it. And it is translated only two times in the Old Testament to mean strength or mind. 298 times, though, it's translated as an, as an adverb. I think I'm not an English person. I mean, I speak English, but uh, you, you know what I mean. Adverb, maybe? Somebody can correct. You can correct me after service on that. It, it just means very. 
So you would, uh, you would say, you know, um, it, actually one of, one of the ways that it's used is in Genesis um, when God calls his creation good and then he gets to the end and he says it was very good. That's the same word, me'ad. And so God said that it was me'ad good. So if this word, so one, one pastor put it this way. He said, so if this word means very, what would it mean to love God, to love the Lord our God with all our variedness? That would be a weird way to translate it, but that would be a little bit more correct. So interestingly, the Greek translation of this word is power or might. It's dunamis is the Greek word. The Aramaic is wealth, like love the Lord your God with all your wealth. Both of these may actually be pointing in the same direction. For the strength of a person is not simply who he is, but what he has at his disposal, right? So what God has given us. Think with me. If Moses' call to love the Lord your God starts with our heart and then moves into our being, could not our veriness be one step bigger and include all of us, um, all of our resources, all of our, not only physical muscle, but with everything we have for honoring the Lord our God. So which, which includes our spouse, our children, our house, our apartment, our pets, our wardrobe, our tools, our phones, our movies, our music, our computers, our time. Everything that we have at our disposal we're to use to, to love the Lord our God. So can we teach our kids this? To love the Lord our God with our mayad, our, our veriness. I think we can, but only if we're doing it, right? Because most of the time, our, our kids, we, we may say one thing, but they'll pick up on our actions more than they'll pick up on what we say, right? So if we are loving the Lord our God with everything, with our disposal, if we're having conversations with them about, you know, this is why we, this is why we live in this place, or this is why... Uh, we have these people over. This is why we spend our money in this way. Then um, they will start picking up on that, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I commanded you shall be on your heart. Okay, so that's point one, right? Parenting is loving the Lord your God with all your heart. Um, and we still have two more points, <laughs> but that's definitely the longest one. And you could say at this point, Josh, I thought this was a message on parenting, and all we've done so far is talk about how we need to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, okay, I got it. I think we could actually stop there, and I think we could be better parents, though, um, if we just stopped at that point. Actually, probably some of the best parenting advice I've ever been given is to Keep, just, keep at, just keep acting like a Christian when it's only your kids that are around, right? Like, isn't that great advice? Couldn't we take that home and, and figure out all kinds of, of, of practical um, application? But we're going to keep going. So parenting, uh, th- this is where it gets a little more practical. So parenting is teaching your kids God's law. How do we teach God's law to our kids? We get that from um, verses 6 through 9, so take a look at those. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So here Moses is telling 
parents to pass on God's law diligently to your children. So how do we do that? Um, so first off, he, he tells, Moses tells these people to talk the talk. Okay, not, not walk the walk, but talk the talk. Okay, so he says to talk the talk. He says, teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them. Okay, so talk the talk with your kids. Parenting is discipleship. And no one has helped me realize this more than our very own Marcelo Tolopilo, who is probably watching right now on the live stream. Hi, Marcelo. He actually wrote the book on parenting. He wrote uh, a book on parenting called Parenting is Discipleship. He should actually be doing this right now. He is way more qualified than I am um, and a much better parent. But um, in his book, he, he talks about why he wrote the book in the beginning. It's, it's so good. It's the title of the book, so I'll give him a plug here. You should all buy it. It's really good. It's Discipleship, God's Plan for Parenting. And in, in the beginning, he says that he wrote the book to remind fellow Christians that parenting is discipleship. Parenting is discipleship. And a, Christian's, a Christian parent's primary duty before the Lord is to lead their children to God and to teach them to walk in the content of biblical faith. Amen? Yeah, amen. So how can we do that practically? Again, um, we try to provide you guys with some tools. We have those Bible lessons that go up every week on our website. There's videos, there's coloring pages for little kids. Those are great for younger kids. Um, One of the things that we used to do in our home when our kids were little is uh, we would act out a lot of Bible stories. I mean, a lot of times we would just pull out the Bible, and then we would give them lines to say, and and they could act them out. It did turn into a lot of, um, there was a lot of sword fighting. Those seemed to be the the more fun stories that we would focus in on, but uh, there there were other ones too. As as kids get older, their attention span develops. You can really just open up the Bible. You can have really great conversations um, with them. We started going through, right, actually right before the whole stay-at-home orders hit, uh, we started going through with the kids. Um, I would take them out and get coffee or get frozen yogurt, and we would go through a book called, um, and I'll, I'll give you the link. I'll send out an email later today. But there's a, a theology book for kids called The Radical Book for Kids. It's, 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 it's a great book. I don't know. The title is, is pretty generic, but it's called The Radical Book for Kids, and it's a great theology book. Um, to go through with them and have great conversations that stir up learning about uh, God's word. Yeah, and I, I actually told my kids yesterday, I was like, hey, let's get back into it. You know, we'll find, figure out ways to, to go out and, I don't know, maybe not get coffee, but um, we'll figure out how to get back into it. it. would be great. So Deuteronomy 6 teaches us to, to talk the talk as parents. It also teaches us to walk the talk. Okay, and again, I, I understand I got the saying wrong. It's, it's usually walk the walk. But no, I think um, Deuteronomy 6 uh, teaches us to walk the talk. And what that means, and, and what it says in Deuteronomy 6, remember, is teach them when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And so um, Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, we are to apply the gospel practically, not only academically or abstractly. Deuteronomy 6, 7 is not promoting is not just promoting regular family lectures. Okay, it's not just about lecturing to your kids. The references to sit, walk along, lie down, and get up refer to the routines of daily life. Instruction in God's truth, then, is not so much a series of lectures and classes, 
Rather, we are to impress truths about God by showing how he relates to daily concrete living. This is a call to be wise and thoughtful about how the values and virtues of the gospel distinctively influence our decisions and and priorities. So this means that we can explain to our kids why we do the things that we do, how our daily decisions are driven by God's word. So those are the conversations that you want to have with your kids. Why are you coming to church even though the state has asked you not to? Have you had that conversation with your kids? Because they might be asking that question. Why are you staying home when other families are here at church? Have you had that conversation with your kids? What are the, the biblical priorities that have led you to those decisions? Why do you buy the things that you buy? Why do you watch the shows you watch or read the books you read or listen to the music that you listen to? Why do you invite those people to your house? I don't know why I wrote that. Those, I don't know why I, I emphasize those people. Why do you take the vacations that you take? Why did you take the job that you took? Why do you do the things that you do? Having those conversations with your kids is a great way to bring them in and walk the talk that Deuteronomy 6 is is talking about here. And your kids may never ask you the questions that they have. They might never ask them, but we want to talk to them. We want to answer them even though they're not asking them. The answers to these questions show the extent to which your faith has permeated your life and your family's life. And so that's what I would encourage you to do. And finally, parenting is, uh, so parenting is loving the Lord your God. Parenting is teaching your kids God's law. Finally, parenting is showing your kids God's grace. And I think this is the most important thing that I need to hear and that I think a lot of Christians need to hear um, is that we need to show our kids God's grace. And that's what the end of Deuteronomy, and that's why we, we read the whole chapter of Deuteronomy because right at the end uh, are these great verses that say, when your son asks you in the time to come, what is the meaning of the testimony and statutes and the rules that, our Lord, uh, that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, uh, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are to this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are to carefully do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Um, I've been in ministry a while now, not as long as, not, not as, long as some, but for a while, and I, I have seen a good many Christian parents that are, they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They teach their kids God's law diligently, but they fail to regularly show God's grace to their kids. And I think it ends with a lot of frustration and a lot of tension within the family. And so this is where I would really, really encourage you to continue to teach your kids about God's grace, especially when they sin, because they're going to sin. And they need to hear Um, that they are loved and accepted by God, not by doing right and wrong things, 
but by Christ's blood shed on their behalf. That is what they need to hear. So Paul Tripp, a well-known Christian author, he puts it in a book which um, some of you have been going through, uh, this, this parenting book, or you just wrapped it up recently in a, a Zoom small group that we had. But I love the way he puts it here. He says, at some point your children are going to begin to wonder why they have the rules that they have, why they have been told to believe certain things, and who in the world put you in charge? Sadly, many parents have little more to say than do it because I told you to do it or do it because if you don't do it, you're going to get punished. Those explanations get a response from your children only as long as they fear you. But there will come a time when they don't fear you anymore. And Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25 helps us here. It tells us that we should root all of the beliefs that we give our children not only in the existence of God, but in the things that he has in grace done for us. You could say that the advice here is to connect everything you require of your children in behavior and belief to the story of redemption. When your child wonders about what is right and what is wrong, don't just threaten him with the law of God. Woo him with the sweet music of God's grace. When she is struggling with what God says is right, don't talk Uh, of God as just a judge, but as a helper and a friend who meets us in our weakness and forgives uh, with forgiveness, wisdom, and strength. Blow your child away with God's patience, mercy, and love. Talk again and again about how he willingly exercises his power for our help, benefit, and rescue. When your child questions the rules, don't puff up your chest and tell him he better obey or else. Talk to him about a loving redeemer who not only created him, but shed his blood for him so that he could know and do what is right. And that's what we're going to do right now with communion. We are going to remember that the Lord has rescued us, right, with a mighty hand, you and I. That he has showed us signs and wonders and that he has shed his blood for us. If you haven't yet talked to your kids about communion, this is a great parenting and discipleship opportunity to talk to them about what this means, what it means to take the the bread and the cup as a reminder of Christ's shed blood on our behalf and his broken body. And so as you're opening this up and you're holding it, I, I want you to look at this. And at home, look at your cup, look at your bread right now, and the Heidelberg Confession says something that's really cool. I want you, as we're looking at this bread and as we're looking at this cup, it says, As surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken. So look at that bread. The bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me. So surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. So as real as it is that you can look at this bread and you can look at this cup right now, that's how real it was that Christ's blood was shed for you and that his body was broken for you. When we take the cup, so surely Christ nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and his poured out blood. When we take the bread and the cup, it means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ, and thereby to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life.
but it means more. Through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so, although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. And, and we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. So let us get ready to take the, the bread together. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Father, we are so thankful to be called children of God. And that's what we are. And Father, I pray um, that you would give uh, that you would give us all strength, Lord. That you would give a special amount of grace to the parents um, that are in this room and online, Lord, to love their kids as you have loved us. We pray this in your Son's name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.